Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. But it's not Sweden that we're focused on. Right now, I actually have a, an old friend that I've been friends with now for several years, Pastor Steve Larson, on the line with me, and uh, I'm super excited about this. Are you Are you there, Pastor Steve? I'm here, and I'm excited to be with you, Eugene. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I I know that. I just kind of contacted you out of the blue. I've I've known you for a while, so it felt good just to have an excuse to ring you up. Um, but I saw that you had put an update on social media that I thought was really important to share with our audience about um, this documentary that is available on Amazon. And uh, some of the things mm-hmm. that you wrote, it's on I did, Amazon Prime. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was not, I was not familiar with this at all. Of course, I heard about the video, but I had not actually watched it. And I would love just to kind of hear your take before we dive in. Uh, would you just take a, a minute or so and just introduce uh, yourself to the audience? Yeah, my name is Steve Larson, and for 34 years, I pastored a church. Uh, in Southern California. My wife and I started it, and uh, we had a great ministry for 34 years. And then uh, in January 2013, I really felt a call to uh, join with a group called Global Training Network. And uh, we've been spending the last few years of our life traveling around the majority world, uh, training national pastors, uh, equipping them to continue the Great Commission in their own countries. So uh, we've been literally every continent except Antarctica um, doing this training and enjoying uh, building relationships with these godly men who are uh, out in the bushes and the fields and out in very rural areas. Um, And they're doing the work of God, but they've never had any formal training. So we go out and we meet with them four times a year for three years and uh, help them have a foundation of training that's going to equip them to multiply their own lives and uh, equip other men to go out and plant more churches. Yeah, and I think that's around the time that I met you, maybe a little bit later than 2013. It's okay. exactly right. Well, we met in 2013. Okay, yeah. And uh, and so we've been uh, having a great friendship ever since then. Yeah, met in China, really enjoyed mm-hmm. um, the hanging out with you and your wife, Connie, and uh, the wisdom that you brought to the pulpit when you took over for a, a time there in uh, Discovery Bay. We were just, mm-hmm. yeah, just absolutely love you and your wife and, and what you guys have done and what you're about. And that's why I thought it would be really good to have you share a little bit of insight for people that might be drawn, especially those that maybe have grown up Christian 
Um, maybe they don't have right. a practicing faith, but they would be interested for, okay, so right now, just to put things into context, uh, people that listen to this podcast, they will they will know that we're in the middle of the coronavirus epidemic, but people that listen later, um, maybe this is in an archive a year from now, two years from now, uh, just to put it in context, People are watching more videos on Amazon Prime, Netflix, uh, Lulu or Zulu or whatever it's called um, than they usually do because everybody is locked up in their home. And when I Absolutely. looked at this video that you had said, it appeals to me um, because a lot of people are seeing this disease. They have questions about you know end time prophecy. They have questions about the return of the Messiah, you know, the, the Armageddon, all of the plagues, you know, all of those things. And then you have this video that, that comes out and it says from Babylon to America, the prophecy movie, the mark of the beast, the little horn, the antichrist, the beast of the prophecy written by Daniel in his book in John of the book of revelation. These were some of the things that interested me. I'm reading from the, the actual headline for this movie on Amazon and it says, these yep. are some of the things that interested me as a skeptical young man growing up in Chicago while contemplating atheism or Christianity. I cannot physically see him, capital H, him, God, nor can I audibly hear him. If God was real, how would I know? This is a great introduction for Absolutely. people that are curious. And so you watched the movie and then you gave a warning to those on your social media. Why? The reason I did, Connie and I, just like everybody else in the Corona, we were willing to uh, take a chance and take a look at this. It was very intriguing. It has no credits attached to it. It's directed by a man named Jan Kappa, and he is uh, – it opens up. The only credit you see is all glory to God, and at the end, all glory to God. No idea who funded this movie, no idea who put this movie on, so it, it's – really mysterious in so many ways. And so as the movie started out, I thought, wow, this guy is great. He starts from the book of Daniel and he's going through the prophecy of Daniel two of the, the statue made of the four and actually five different materials. And as he's starting out, I'm thinking, wow, this guy really knows his stuff because he's showing how the head was, uh, uh, the head was, uh, who was that? Oh, it was Babylon. And the, the chest and shoulders were Media Persia. The, the hips were Greece. And then the legs were Rome. And so he's going through and I'm, he's showing this historically, how this came to pass. And, and I'm going, boy, this, this guy has really done his homework. And I, I was practically thinking, man, I need to recommend this to people because this is a great presentation of Bible prophecy. And then uh, he starts going off the rails. Uh, and it was very interesting how um, one of the things he does that is very clever is he will take a, an idea and he says, this may be true. And then about five minutes later in his presentation, he is using that to say this is true. And then that becomes a brick for another assertion that he makes that he does the same thing with, and that becomes a brick for another assertion. And so logically he's building off of a number of suppositions uh, to come to a conclusion that he presents is very reliable and very biblical. But unless you know your scriptures carefully, 
you're not going to recognize it. So where he begins to go off the rail is he looks at the 10 uh, toes and he shows very persuasively that this is the Roman Catholic Church. And so he goes on to show that in 538, the Roman Catholic Church was founded and it's lasted for 1260 years now. And he's he's very careful to say that a day in prophecy always equals a year. Uh, so when Daniel speaks of a time, times and a half a time, three and a half year period, and he he breaks it down into months and then he breaks it down into days. And then he says, of course, a day equals a year. So this is talking about 1260 years. So so then he builds this whole uh, presentation of the Catholic Church, how it perfect, perfectly fulfills uh, the picture of the Antichrist. And so as he moves on from there, uh, then he begins to give quotes to talk about how uh, they came, the Catholic Church actually hired uh, Jesuit priests to come up with false doctrines. One was the futurist view of, of prophecy, which says that the, um, the events of Revelation have not yet occurred. There's still future prophecy. And then they hired another man to come up with a preterist view that says that Revelation was filled in Nero, fulfilled in Nero. So he's, he's moving very carefully to discredit any other view of prophecy other than the view of prophecy that he's espousing. Um, where this really gets interesting is when he gets into Revelation, he has his convoluted logic that says that the United States is actually uh, the prophetic animal in Revelation 13. And he goes very carefully to show that our doctrine of separation of church and state is equivalent to this animal rising out of the uh, earth, not the animal rising out of the sea, not the dragon coming out of the sea, but the one coming out of the earth. And so his conclusion is that the U.S. is going to be uh, the one that brings the mark of the beast. So this is this is fascinating, and he is connecting this uh, block by block to where you think, oh, this is absolutely true, unless you know the scriptures. And so the where this really gets interesting is for him. The mark of the beast is worshiping on Sunday. Wow. And so I'm screwed. Yes. <laughs> I'm screwed. And so <laughs> I, I, and I, I, I worship on Sunday. I think that, uh, I think that I worship on Saturday. I worship on Friday. Yes. I worship on Thursday. Yes. <laughs> I have, I have some real problems. No matter what day of the week he picks, I, I don't, I don't have a chance. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in trouble. That's exactly right. And, and so he acts as if Sunday worship began in the middle ages and he pulls out this, uh, Catholic document that declares Sunday to be a sacred day. And he doesn't explicitly state it, but he leaves it hanging that this is when Christians began to leave uh, to worship on Sunday. 
And so the idea is that Christians have worshipped on Saturday, which is the Sabbath day, and which uh, we should keep holy and all of this. And so then he goes to the blue laws of the United States. I don't know if you remember those from the 1930s and where um, it used to be legal for businesses to open on on um, on Sunday. And so he picks it up and he says, these blues, blue laws are going to be even strengthened and anybody will not be able to buy or sell or do any kind of business on Sunday. And so receiving the mark of the beast uh, and and he actually states that this will nullify you for any hope of salvation is if you were worshiping on Sunday. Wow. So let me let me ask let me ask you, uh, Pastor, because I mean you've you've been a pastor for so many years. I know that you are you you've dove into the word. Um, when he talks about, I'm sure that he he made the distinction that, and as as you just did, that Sunday is not the Sabbath. And if we look at the Ten exactly. Commandments, the Ten Commandments, you know, tells us Exodus 20 verse eight, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Where have Christians? What is what is our understanding of that? If if the Sabbath is not Sunday, and and we treat Sunday as Christians as a holy day, what what are we missing? What where have we gone astray? Well, I actually don't believe we have gone astray. Um, it is very clear, and and again, this is where your view of scriptures can either confuse you or help you. And, and I see God actually having two separate programs, one program for the nation of Israel and one program for the church. Um, and it's very interesting that uh, I actually taught Deuteronomy last year. And Deuteronomy is basically a, a elaboration of the covenant that God made with Israel. And it's a conditional covenant. In other words, in all through Deuteronomy, God says, if you do this, I will bless you. But if you sin, I will curse you. And the blessings and curses given to Israel are physical, material blessings. And this has become the basis for the prosperity gospel. People say, oh, if we obey God, our, our vats will be filled with new wine. Our barns will be filled. We'll have children. We'll be healthy. We won't be sick. We'll win all our battles. And so all of these amazing promises given to Israel, many people mistakenly apply them to the church. And they say, oh, if I obey God, I will be healthy, I will be wealthy, and all will go well with me. And it really misunderstand mistakes what Jesus taught. He said, you know what? In this world, you're going to have tribulation. And for really the first 100 to 200 years, the vast majority of Christians were slaves. They were the poorest people of society. So by that logic, they would have been unfaithful Christians. And so as you look at this and you see that the Sabbath day was given specifically as a covenant between God and Israel, and you come to the New Testament and you don't see one command reaffirming that we should keep the Sabbath as members of this new covenant, the covenant of grace. And so um, what's, what's really instructive to me is the vast majority of the uh, conflict that Jesus had with the Jewish leaders 
was over the Sabbath day and over how they had misunderstood and, and expanded it to where it had become a tremendous burden. And so as you go on into the book of the, into the books of the New Testament, you see no mention of keeping the Sabbath. But what you do see is the early church from the very earliest days meeting on the first day of the week in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is so important. What I feel like what you just what you just said, because we had, you know, most people, I think, really forget because, as you know, you know, traveling in China, if people identify you as a Christian, they're like, of course, you're a Christian, you're an American. The two are almost synonymous. Right. And so what people don't realize is that uh, Christianity comes from Judaism. It is a Judaic. It is a Jewish uh, our our Lord and Savior was a practicing Jew with the faith of Judaism. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. what they don't realize is that the first disciples were Jewish. And so Absolutely. they attended synagogue on and or uh, uh, they kept the Sabbath holy where they recognized the Sabbath. They attended synagogue or they went into the synagogues. That was those were usually and the And they bases. met in the temple. And they met in the temple. Yes. But after the, the, the celebration, or rather taking a day of rest, uh, or, you know, as was required on the Sabbath, um, they also remembered the resurrection of our Christ on the third day, Sunday. Absolutely. So every Absolutely. Sunday since the resurrection of Jesus has been a celebration of that resurrection. So when we come together as Christians on Sunday, I think that that's a beautiful picture that you just painted, that it is a continuation after 2000 years of celebrating the resurrection of our Christ. And one of the things that I think is, is really, really dangerous. I have a, uh, a really good friend that does podcasts with me at least about once a month is Rabbi Miles Weiss is a great, great friend of mine. Um, and, uh, he, he, you know, grew up as an Orthodox Jew, today is a Messianic Jew. And uh, he says, <clears throat> the biggest challenge that I have, Eugene, is Christians that try to be Jewish. That they, oh. <laughs> they, they all of a sudden, yes. they all of a sudden become super legalistic. And I'm like, no, you're, yes. you're, you're saved by grace. Recognize, you can, you can, you can choose to recognize the, the Jewish practices, ceremonies, holidays, but at the end of the day, you are saved by yes. grace and we are, we don't have to keep a certain um, uh, law. I mean, of course, we keep the law not because we're trying to be saved. We keep the law because we love Christ. Those who love me Absolutely. will keep my commandments. And so we keep them not to earn something, but because we love him. And, uh, yes. and so he, he points out that, yeah, there's Christians that kind of really see the laws and all of a sudden they become super legalistic. And I have to say, Hey, absolutely <laughs> settle down, you know, don't become a Pharisee overnight. Um, follow the footsteps of the disciples and Jesus Christ. That is where our salvation is. Um, and not becoming these legal scholars and thinking that yes. you're not going to make it into heaven because of a technicality that we didn't read the Absolutely. fine print. Uh, Jesus died on the cross, so we wouldn't have to read the fine print. It's all in bold print, big red letters. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So I think that that's that is a really powerful 
um, story that you just shared because I think even though the aim of this video is to cause harm, I love it when uh, people become curious and pastors like you reveal the truth. I mean, in, in, it, in, it, in, in a way, the controversy can make us wiser about the God that we serve. Yep. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I've been doing in all of the countries is is uh, I'll teach theology and then I'll teach how the various cults pervert the true theology. And so we teach the tr truth first and then we go into how the error diverges from the truth so that they can recognize it more quickly. And, you know, I, I have to say this this guy, it. it it took me about 15 minutes to, to realize, whoa, wait, 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 what did he say? And then I had to go back and rewind it and listen again. And, oh, he's off track here. And yeah. by the end, it was so clear. Uh, but, you know, it, it's so interesting about the days of the week question because Paul actually dealt explicitly with that. You know, some people were saying, oh, we need to have one day that's sacred. And other people say, no, every day belongs to the Lord. And Paul's conclusion was, let each person be convinced in his own mind and don't judge your brother who feels differently than you. And so Paul's conclusion was, it really doesn't matter what conclusion you come to because we're free in Christ. Yeah. And yeah. When, I go to, when I go to Nepal, they worship on Saturday, not because of the Sabbath day, but because in Nepal, Hindu is the dominant religion. And that's the day when people have off work because of Hinduism. And so most of the Christians worship on Saturday, not because they think it's a, a Sabbath day or a sacred day to the Lord. It's just the only day that they can get off of work to work, worship. Absolutely. It's the same thing in the Middle East. A lot of our Christian brothers mm -hmm. and sisters meet together on Friday because that is the holy day for the Muslims. And that's Absolutely. the day they get off of work. In China, we meet on several different days. Sunday is usually the last yep. day that we will choose to meet because that's the day when the authorities are the most alert of groups coming Absolutely. together like Christians. So uh, I, I think that that's really beautiful, uh, a beautiful way to look at it. Salvation essentials, uh, agree upon, and then those things that are not follow the, the writings of the Word of God um, that yes. we need to be convicted. And I, I think that that's, that's a that's a really good point. I'm I, I'm so excited um, that you were you had the time to take and share with us and and to because I had not even heard about this movie. Um, I I usually don't watch Amazon uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, I wish I had it here in Sweden, but we don't. Um, we, we, we have to use a VPN if I think if we want to access it, we have Amazon prime because we right. do a lot of shipping, but I haven't actually watched the movies, but I really thank you because there are people I'm, I, I'm certain that are going to be listening to this podcast that do have Amazon prime and are probably wondering this very thing. Thank you so much, pastor. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. It's and, been my privilege and being with us. God bless you, brother. Thank you. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. And thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Do Some podcast again. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. God bless you.